yeah, just digging himself holes all over yeah, the place. Yeah, yeah. It's like, um, hey, stop talking. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Save yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy to have you here. I just adore you. I think, what was it, probably eight months ago, I had you on my show and... I was like, damn, I love this girl. Like she is the real deal. And I said this to you then and I'll repeat it here because I want people to really hear this. You were just no bullshit. And I respect you so much for that because I feel like there's just so much fluff and bullshit in this space of personal development and growth and love and relationships. And you're like, yo, here's the deal. This is what we're doing. This is how it goes. And I just think that that's so great. So thank you for showing thank up you. so real and authentically. Thank you, Kelly. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. So something you've talked about a lot, I follow you, I listen to your show, something mm. that I don't think enough people talk about is emasculating men. Mm. And you have taken a very bold stance on this in terms of your own life and the way you go about relationships, but also the way you're working with and coaching your clients and how we approach talking to men in relationship with them building them up, not pushing them down, not taking over their masculine energy, making them feel less than. So how would you describe your approach to not emasculating men and where did that come from? Okay. So firstly, I want to preface with saying that I used to be such a cold bitch and I was the queen of emasculation. So I really understand and I see when women they, you know, disagree with what I'm saying, or they put me down for what I'm saying. And I'm like, I used to be that. So like, I don't, I'm not phased if a woman is like, this chick's full of shit. Like, what is she talking about? Because I'm like, I would have said that about somebody when I like five years ago. So when I'm talking about like emasculation and like putting men down, it's just, it's something that I see like every day in really small ways that we're unaware of. Men do it to other men, women do it to men. It's happening in the workplace. We do it to our brothers, our dad. We do it to obviously like our partners. And it really inhibits us as women from having like the best experience with being women. At the end of the day, men just want to fucking please us. They want to make us happy. They want to adore us. Like chivalry is not, you know, that men feel like they have to open a door. It's because they want to. It's like they feel like it is a privilege to be in the presence of a woman to be able to love a woman, to be in a relationship with a woman. They just like, they just bow down to us. Like, honestly, they do. We in our brains are like, why? Because we don't think that we're that special. And when you understand that side of emasculation and how women are actually like doing this to themselves, it makes us realize that it's kind of our fault in a way where it's not that men think less of us or that men think that we're weak or that men think we can't hold open our own door. It's women doing it to each other because we don't see our own beauty. We don't let ourselves receive. We don't think that we are worthy of that. We don't think that we're important enough for that. And when you really like dig into the whole like biology side of it, which I'm like so passionate about with like gender roles and like men and women It's like if you play to your strengths as a woman and a man plays to his strengths as a man, you are going to be happier. You are going to feel more fulfilled. He is going to feel more fulfilled and be happier. And as a result, the world's literally just going to be a better fucking place. Mm -hmm. So it's so interesting to me because as you talk about gender roles and as you talk Mm. about women and us creating this dynamic, I agree with you. Hot topic, feminism. Mm. So we think, all right, women can do anything. We can work. We can be moms. We can be partners. We can take care of the house. Okay, great. And now I'm in my masculine. I'm doing, I'm taking over. I'm in control. 
And I think what we have forgotten is that the ability to melt into a relationship, the ability mm. to receive, we forget all of that because we're so constantly giving and doing. And right. I think we fucked ourselves over with this idea of feminism. We did. And it's really funny because like the true feminists that created feminism now have released books talking about how feminism is fucked and how like none of this was actually the intention of it. Like feminism was not takeaway chivalry. Feminism was not that women now chase men. The intention, like actual fucking feminism was to create equality in rights, not equality in, you know, we have to have the exact same amount of like house fucking hours that we do of like cleaning, not that kind of equality, equality in we get paid the same. We both can vote like just the obvious shit where it's like, yeah, duh, everybody should be able to do that because we're all humans. We can all make decisions that we have a brain. But what's happened now is we've gone to like radical feminism and the second wave of the Me Too movement had a really big influence on this. So we've got the second, third, fourth wave of feminism and now it's called like radical feminism. And basically it's this idea where we don't need a man and women put themselves in this own, they put themselves in their own catch 22, right? Of like, you know, they want a relationship, they want to be with a man, but like, there's no fucking good men. All men are this, all men are dicks. I can hold up my own door, but where are all the good men? And I'm like, do you hear yourself? Like we are doing this to ourselves and the media exacerbates it, right? Because the media exacerbates the idea that if you want to be a stay-at-home mom, you're weak. You're not a girl boss. And the media basically shines a light on like women are killing it. If they're a girl boss making millions, they're juggling all of these things. We idolize that now. And I always say like in my book, I'm actually writing a whole chapter on how the girl boss movement is fucked. I can't remember what the title is, but basically I just talk about how like the girl boss movement has done a lot of harm because it's meant that women that want to just be a stay-at-home mom or that want to work part-time or that don't want to run an empire, they feel like they're not as successful or they're not killing it if they aren't being a girl boss. And that it's, you know, you're, you're killing it as a woman if you are running a big empire and making millions. And then like, what about the fucking men? Like, where is their praise for working hard? They always will work hard. It is in their fucking bones. At the end of the day, the weight always falls on them to be the provider and the protector. No matter how much feminism crap we go into, it still falls on them. And they will always still feel that pressure because that's their testosterone and their masculinity. Like as soon as, you know, as soon as a man becomes a father, it doesn't matter what the fucking woman says, he feels all the pressure to provide and protect. Well, where's the fucking boy boss movement? Where is... Where, where are we praising the men for doing hard work? Like, if you want to talk about equality, like, all right, let's make it fucking equality then. Like, if we want to go on the fucking woman page of all this female empowerment to create equality, well, what about the other side? And women then argue, well, they've had, well, men have had that for years. And then I bring in the, okay, well, why is the suicide rate three point something times higher for men? It's probably going up anyway with COVID. Why are more men killing themselves than women? Like, why? are more men dropping out of school? Why are there less men in universities these days? Tell me that. And then tell me that, you know, women's empowerment is still more important than empowering men because the mental health crisis, that is predominantly men because women will go and talk to other women. We will go and get help. Whereas men now feel like they can't do that. They feel, they already feel, the problem is they already feel shame about being a man these days because all men are this, all men are that, all men are predators. They're so confused of what is their purpose as a man in today's society. It's just constant confusion for them all the time. I hear about it like constantly from guy friends, from all the research that I've done. I've done like a lot of research for my book um, with like sending out surveys and 
men are just really confused and it's very exhausting. And it's like, no wonder they're all struggling with their, or most of them are struggling with their mental health because they don't know where the fuck they stand. They've lost their purpose and men need a purpose in society. So I say, I say that I'm not a feminist. Obviously I'm a fucking feminist by definition, but these days a feminist is someone that is like, I don't need no man. You know, I can ask a man out on a date. I can chase a man. Like it's, it's just like, there's no polarity and I'm all about the fucking polarity. I am happier when I am being pursued, wooed, chased, devoured, desired. And my man is happier when he is doing that and being the fucking man. So I will stand by that till the day I die because I mean, I can't not stand by it. I've had thousands, tens of thousands. I mean, probably hundreds of thousands with my podcast of women message me and tell me and see these results. I've had men like husbands message me, be like, thank you for this and marriages be saved and women be happy again and whatnot because they either admitted to themselves their true desires as a woman or their relationship was healed because they stepped into their feminine and got out of their masculine. And as a result, he felt more on purpose, like whatever the obvious things. And I'm like, the social proof that I have is the proof that what we're being fed and taught is a pile of shit. But what, what it's doing is like, it's a great way to just, just cause destruction right in society. It's a great way for us all to lose our um, own inner compass. We don't listen to our truth. We don't allow ourselves to admit our true desires. And instead we like follow the rules that somebody else is giving us, which just creates like more disharmony, more mental health issues, more people being out of alignment, more dis-ease, like on a physical sense as well, because obviously all the emotional, you know, um, shit turns into physical shit and, you know, they end up winning. It's great. It's a great way to make more money, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting as you're talking, I'm just thinking this is just another version of segregation. We're just mm-hmm. separating men and women again. We're pitting people against each other. Correct. And I think about like, I've experienced sexual assault and mm-hmm. I know some really shitty men in my life. For oh, sure. I mean, me too. Like I also, yeah. yeah, I say that of like, don't assume that I haven't experienced what majority of other women have experienced. I've experienced all those situations that you think I probably haven't experienced. And I'm still saying this. I'm not saying every man is good. Just like there are really bad women. Like there was a guy on the street the other day, I was walking the dogs and he was literally, I mean, obviously he was, I'm assuming he was on drugs and he was literally screaming to everybody like very intensely that he's going to kill us all, stab us all. I'm going to slit your throat. Like, I mean, I see that. Like I understand that there are really shitty, scary men. And I still stand by this because the general population of men, just like the general population of women are really good people and they have good hearts and good intentions. Yes. And that's exactly what I was going to say. I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's like, and I mean, you do a lot of trauma work and healing with your clients. Mm -hmm. I see the same thing. I've gone through somatic therapy. I've been in talk therapy for years. I've been working through the assault and feeling bad about myself and men gawking Mm -hmm. at me and blah, blah, blah for so long that it's just not an issue for me anymore. It doesn't Mm -hmm. even phase me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm able to see the truth of who men are And the amazing men that I encounter on a daily basis who are good people. And so I think that's a really big part of this is deconstructing what we're being told every single day, especially if you're someone who watches the news and picks up on all the negativity. That's all you see is people raping people, killing people, running cars into people. Like, that's what we're seeing. We're not seeing all the amazing things. Like, you have to actually seek that out. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a huge part of this is... I feel like women are, and this is not where I thought this conversation was going to go, but I do feel like women are just 
picking men apart and attacking them based on what we're seeing, you know, in the news that is so overly done when in reality that may not be our day to day that may not be the experiences that we're having and we have to get really honest with ourselves Mm -hmm. about the bullshit that we're spewing at them and how bad we're making them feel about themselves and now you're right they're fucking scared they're scared exactly and that's the problem of like we are creating the situation because like when you understand men like shaming a man doesn't make him want to change is the problem So women, when you shame another woman because of our inherent need to have approval and community, she will go, fuck, I can't be rejected. I'm going to change. Even if she doesn't want to do it, she'll go change. So when a woman then, so we think that if we do the same thing to a man, it's going to happen. Like if we were shamed, that's not what happens because men are different. So if you shame a man, what happens is you emasculate him. He goes into his fucking turtle shell and it doesn't motivate him to change Instead, he feels less than and he goes into like a hole because you he loses his masculinity. So then what happens is we have men that aren't chivalrous, that aren't protecting women, that aren't showing up because they're suppressed, right? And suppression doesn't mean that you've stripped away, you know, their anger and then all of a sudden they're going to be like these, you know, soft men that are going to do whatever you say. Suppression is it's still there. It's just suppressed. And unfortunately, it will come out in an unhealthy scenario And then it fits the story of men are dangerous. But if you look at it, it's like, yeah, well, when you suppress somebody enough, it's going to fucking come out one way or the other. If you shake a bottle of champagne enough, it's going to fucking explode. So then it explodes. And more often than not, it's going to explode with like blackout rage. And when you understand blackout rage, it's a full on trauma response. It's not someone, not someone consciously being angry. It's like you have hit a nerve and literally blackout rage is exactly as it sounds. Their brain blacks it out. They don't remember it, right? They don't remember it. It wasn't like that. They wasn't acting from their heart. They didn't want to act like that. And a really good example is um, in Australia, there's a culture of something called the one punch hit. And basically it started in Sydney. I don't know whether you've heard about it, but it started in mm-hmm. Sydney where basically like, you know, Australian, the Australian culture is suppress everything very much like the British culture, especially for men, suppress all your emotions, like be a man, suck it up, don't feel anything. But then what happens is we also have a heavy drinking culture. So it started in this place called King's Cross near the city in Sydney. And basically, if you don't know this, if you hit someone in the head in the right spot and hard enough, you'll kill them. So the one punch hit was that these men would get really drunk and someone would piss them off and just piss them off just enough that they all they had to do was swing a hit and they would kill somebody by accident. And it's like these men are then get put in jail or whatever for the rest of their lives. And it's horrible because I guarantee you most of those men had no intention to hurt anybody. It was a pile of suppressed emotion over a long period of time you caught them on a bad day at a bad time. And unfortunately they hit that person in the wrong spot and their whole life has changed forever. And it's just like, I was saying this on a podcast yesterday of imagine if we taught our boys and our young men where to go release anger in a healthy way. What if we didn't tell them to change, but instead we learned to understand men and understand that they will always have more anger than women will. And therefore they need to let that be released in a healthy way. Don't suppress it. Like, let yourself feel it. I'm all about fucking feeling it. Go to a rage room. Like, I don't know, depending where you live in America, go to a fucking gun range thing and shoot guns. Go to, you know, go chop a pile of wood. Go to a boxing class or go whatever, whatever you need to do. I don't care. But go and release the anger in a healthy way. And if we celebrated that and just like, not even necessarily celebrate it, but if we just let men be men more, 
there would be more healthy masculinity. Men would actually show up better because they would be showing up in their full versions of themselves. And therefore we would actually feel safer as women in society. I recently did a podcast actually, and the title was, um, feminine men don't make society safer. Masculine men do. And it's this whole thing on the news and just that's being run through our society of if we need to like, you know, make men more feminine because that's going to make us as women feel safer. And I'm like, no, the opposite is true because if we don't feel like men have our back and are protecting us, why would you feel safe walking down the street at night? You wouldn't. But if you are walking down the street at night, knowing that 95% of the men on the street would run to you if something happened, you would feel 10 times safer as a woman. But the reality is like shit happens now, like in public and men don't come up and help you because they're like, can I like, oh, will she chop my balls off? Like, am I then, you know, being a misogynist? And it's like, it's very confusing for men because like I'm someone and you'd be someone Kelly where I'm like, yes, please come help me. But they don't know that. So it's just, they, we put them in this constant state of confusion. And then women are complaining when it comes to dating and relationships about like, there are no good men. Men don't ask me out. They're not chivalrous anymore. And I'm like, and you are asking me that because why? Like, why are you surprised? Like, literally tell me, why are you surprised? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's so true. So this is the first episode that you have not actually been on, which is so weird. What was I doing? Nothing. I just told you I didn't want you to be on it. That's I wanted rude. to do it myself. Yeah, I didn't it's even like know It's like a little callback to the Kelly show. Oh, you just needed a little. Me. You just needed a moment. I need a little one-on-one little girl time with Monica. Yeah, I'm sure you did. She's super hot. <laughs> so there's Is that. She? Yeah. That's why you didn't want me on here. No. Because you're threatened by twenty-something <laughs> girls now. I am. I am. <laughs> I'm gonna go like a bunch of her photos on Instagram now. And make you super into her. Do it. You should do it. She's a babe. Um, no, I love Monica, but uh, I did want you to make a little guest appearance. Appearance. <laughs> A guest appearance in our ads. Yeah. To talk about your sleep, friend. Yeah. Cured uh, cured nightcaps and zen combo. One, two punch. Boom, Knocks boom. me right out, dog. It does. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. I sleep good. and I, w- I can't take sleep, most sleep supplements because they make me super drowsy He's the next day. He's a fucking bitch. Melatonin. If I take melatonin, melatonin, I'm like, I feel like I drink like six whiskeys. And I'm like, ugh. And I could. I just well, zombie the next when day. When I had COVID, I was taking all the cured. And then on, I was taking melatonin on top of it because it's actually supposed to be really good for coming back from um, COVID and to help you sleep. And I needed sleep and I was fine. And I was, I was drugged like with all natural things, but I was very drugged. Yeah. You can drug yourself. You can't do things. it. No, I just don't. No, I'm useless. And then I get frustrated and then I get in a bad mood and then I, it's a whole thing. Yeah. But that's why Zen and nightcaps are so great for you. And I wake also, up feeling like a champ with a, you just, do. Just, I wake up just rock hard and ready to go. Just rock veiny hard. as fuck. Just Why don't you fuck me in the morning then? Because that's usually just because I have to pee. Oh. <laughs> what? Come on, man. What? I need a little morning sex. And then I go pee and then it goes away. You ever tried to pee with a boner? Not maybe in another life. Yeah, I don't think so. I've pretty much been a woman in all of my other lives except for one time I was a male frog. This the, What? Were you one of the gay <laughs> frogs that Alex Jones talks about? Sure. Turning the frogs gay. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they cured it by ads on InfoWars. Um, I don't recommend that. Nightcaps and Zen. Joe, Lauren, Defeat if you're the listening, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Fauci's a goddamn communist. You can go into <laughs> the show notes, use the link, get the discount, get all the things. We love Cured, and as Cured does tell. not turn the frogs gay. And they do not do that, but they will make you feel super awesome. Oh my God. Fuck. <laughs> I want to talk about processing for a second because Mm -hmm. this is something that I've learned with Connor and 
I really had to call myself out on this. I was so confused and frustrated by his processing because it is so different than mine. And he is very much avoidant attachment. I'm okay. anxious. Love he it. wants space. <laughs> he doesn't want to talk. He wants to go shoot guns and mm-hmm. climb up a mountain. Mm-hmm. I want to be held and talk through yeah. my emotion. Yeah. Yeah. And I would get so, and we really did this to each other. We would get so upset with each other because it's like, you're not processing the way I want you to process. Mm-hmm. And it's not like me. So now I'm confused. And now we're just arguing with each other when we really just need to be able to be supported in our own processing. I think that's another form of emasculation is like, it is. you're wrong for your processing. What is wrong with you? Why can't you figure it out? When in reality, I just need to let him have some fucking space. Correct. And women do this to men all the time because we treat men as though they're women. And this is why I'm like, if you understand men, not only is it going to be helpful for the men in your relationships, it's going to be helpful for you because you won't get in your head about why is he, you know, not doing this or why is he saying this to me or why is he gone quiet? You'll be like, oh, he's doing X, Y, and Z because you fully understand exactly how men operate. So yeah, when it comes to processing, it's like women, we, we feel safe with connection, which is why, and, and, and talking and communication, which is why if you're in a car and with your boyfriend, partner, whatever, husband, and it's silent, you'll be like, what's wrong? And he'll be like, nothing's wrong, like, but it's silent. Like your brain, literally, like we all like, are like, fuck yes. You're your like, brain eh, is a woman. Eh, eh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your brain as a woman thinks something is wrong because there's no talking involved. Like if you go out with your girlfriends, you're all talking. And if there's silence, there's something wrong. You go see boys, go hang out. Is there a bunch of talking? No, there's just beer, silence, and maybe a footy game on. And you're like, how are you guys connecting? It's like, I've asked this to men so many times when I watch them do this, because I'm obviously just like always watching men. And very curious. And they literally, I cannot tell you the amount of times men have said, we don't need to talk. Like we can just sit here. And I'm like, like what? You don't need to talk. But like, and I'm like, but aren't you meant to be catching up? And they're like, yeah, we've asked how the fiance is, the kids are work. They're all good. Great. Okay. Let's watch the game. Like that's all they need to know. And it's so fascinating. And, but when it comes to like processing, men need space. Women need talking. So we process via like communication, which is why a lot of women will pick up the phone to girlfriends and vent and well, we will feel better after venting. This is also why, especially when it comes to men doing any men's work, I'm like, I am a hard fucking note when it comes to therapy because like talk therapy, because I'm like, men do not process via talking. It does not do what it does for us. Women can process to an extent about talking, like depending obviously on the extent of things and you and I are still very much like the somatic shits where it's at. But with men, I'm like, no, they don't want to talk because they've pro- they're logical beings. They've already gone through it all in their head. They've done the talking with themselves, but it's all held in their body and they need to have permission to go and release that from their body. Like we will, we will, we're better at doing that, right? We'll go cry. We'll go like have a tantrum, whatever the situation is, hug our dogs and be a victim for a moment. Guys don't do that. They just suppress it. But if they were told like, hey, why don't you go and like shoot guns or go hunting or go climb a mountain or go to a rage room or like break some plates and just like let it all out. I guarantee you every man would be like, wait, really? Like I'm allowed to do that. And he would feel 10 times better because he has been allowed to fully fucking get angry. And you're not seeing that as something to get scared about because he's not getting angry at you. Like I actually am more like, I get worried if you're not getting angry at something else. Like if you're not releasing your anger somewhere, that worries me because I'm like, I don't want it to come out in an unhealthy way 
whether it's at me, whether it's at work, whether it's a family member, whether it's you just having an explosion when you're driving the car, it's like you need to, like you, we always need to give men. And I think we need to give men more permission than we think because of the way societal conditioning is to have space to go and release however that looks. And when you tell a man, like, go have space, yes, go process, like, go have time by yourself, that makes him fall more in love with you, be more obsessed with you because he's like, wait, there's no pressure. Like, I can just go and do me. And men really do feel so much pressure to like be enough for us and be perfect for us because they just want to make us happy. So when you can make it clear, like what would make me happy is you going and feeling this and processing this, he is 10 times more likely to do that and do it well because he knows it's actually going to benefit you at the same time. So yeah, men need space to process. They do not process via talking like we do. I mean, some men, I would say really empathetic men, and I'm with a very empathetic man, definitely loves to talk to be able to like help with like logical mind thinking and then needs to go have silence and process by himself in space. And so allowing that is really important because if you don't, you do emasculate of like you are wrong for being a man and doing it, doing things a man way. And like, this is the way to do it. Like being more like a woman basically is what you're saying is how it should be done. And your way of doing things like a man is wrong. And essentially when you do that, you make him feel wrong for being a man. Mm -hmm. And what I've noticed, which I think is hilarious, the first few times when I started to realize like, okay, give him space, like emotional space, physical space. I would like sit across the room on a chair. He would be on the couch and I would, I would make sure I wasn't standing because that makes him feel awful. He hates being talked down to like I'm his mother. Mm-hmm. So I made all these changes and then he would be like, what are you doing? What's wrong? <laughs> I'm like, I'm giving you space. And then the argument would almost be over immediately because he really just wanted me to acknowledge that he needed space. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't even need to take the space sometimes because he's yeah. like, I just need to be acknowledged for what I need and that you're listening to me and hearing me and I'm okay now. It's so funny. It's like they almost just, they need it on the table. They need that acknowledgement, whether or not something happens from it. Yes. No, agree. And I mean, even us women, like everyone needs space. And I think that whether you're a man or a woman, I think it's really healthy in any relationship to allow space because it helps you to stop being so reactive. You kind of cool yourself down, especially if you're a double, triple, single fire sign. Like we all need to sometimes cool down and not be in this reactive state. And, you know, depending where you live, it's very like if you live in a big city, especially, or if you have an intense job, if your nervous system is wired and jacked all the time, you're going to be in more of a reactive state. So I really had to train myself because I used to be like really reactive where it's like when something's happening, I will actually be like, you know what? I want to process this first before we talk about it so that I can make sure that like, I've actually thought about this. I'm saying the right things because sometimes, and like it's in the right energy and it's calm and it's not going to be like really heavily emotional because sometimes when you let yourself just process and take time and not say anything, then the day later, you're like, actually, I don't really care. It's not really a big deal. And then you can move on and you actually haven't had to then go through that situation where like a tiff really could have been avoided because you just actually need a time to be honest with yourself of like you were expecting way too much or you know you were at like sometimes I'll do that and I'm like oh wow I was actually just really overtired like nothing was fucking wrong I was just overtired and I just needed to have a good sleep and now I'm like whatever mm-hmm. I 100% agree I feel like we have these knockout brawl fights and then I realize what was actually bothering me three quarters of the way through but I'm like fuck yeah. I'm so knee deep in this how do yeah. I get out now <laughs> 
<laughs> He's so pissed at me. I'm fucked. <laughs> I love yeah, it. I love process it. first, then have the conversation. Yes. Okay. So yes. I would love to hear from you. What are the, some of the main reasons or ways you see women emasculating men? Like the little things that okay. maybe we don't even notice. All right. Little things would be interrupting men. Really big one. Not letting a man take time to respond. So for example, if you say, and this is a really good one, even for people with like boys as in like sons, is if you say to a man or a boy, like, how was your day? What did you do at school today? What did you do at work today? And they don't respond within two seconds. You're like, hello, what did you do at school today? And you've cut off their thought process because the way that our brains are, because we have so much estrogen in our system, just think of it like there's two little guys in the head and they talk to each other really, really, really quickly. So it's like point A to point B really quickly. Then we talk. We don't need time to actually think about the answer. We just blurt it out, which is why one minute we want Mexican for dinner. The next we want Italian. One minute we're feeling this. Then we're like, actually, I don't want to do this. Can we go elsewhere? And we just jump around. And men are like, oh my God, I can't keep up with you. Is because of estrogen and our brain being flooded by estrogen. Men don't have that. So what happens is when you ask a question and because men are committed beings naturally with their like hormonal profile and just being as a masculine um, person is that they will really think before they answer. So you might ask like, how was work today? How was school today or whatever? And then you have to pause, like stop and let him think and think. And literally I've said to clients, sit there in silence. Like if you want to fucking answer from a man, sit there in silence once you've asked the question for literally up to half an hour, because that's how long it might take him to really think about the answer because in his brain, he's not just going to give you any answer. Like we just give any fucking answer. Our brains are like, whatever, because we can change our mind in five seconds. Men are like, no, I have to make sure this is the right answer to give her. So I'm going to really, really think about this. And like, even if, for example, you say to your son, your partner, like, like, let me know later today what you did at work. I'd love to know what you did at school. He might come to you three hours later and be like, so what I did at work was blah, blah, blah. What I did at school, blah, blah. And you're like, whoa, where'd this come from? And where it came from is just like before he had space to think about it and didn't feel pressure because the pressure then shuts them down and it stops their thought process. So like interrupting and not letting a man have thinking time to answer your question is a really big one. Like allow silence. Remember women get freaked out by silence. Nothing is wrong. They are connecting with us. Nothing is fucking wrong. Another one I would also say really simple in even a a non-romantic way is let a man hold open a fucking door. I will not hold open my own door. Sometimes I'll just stand there and wait. If he's like on the phone or something and he's forgotten, I'll just stand there and wait. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, the door. Like, I'm like, I do not even hold open my own door. And you kind of make it funny sometimes, right? Like if you want to be a bit cheeky about it, I think it's fun to be cheeky about it because it is like a constant reminder and men Men like work. They don't want an easy, boring relationship. They actually like to feel like they have to chase and they have to work at the relationship. So it's not a bad thing to be cheeky sometimes and be like, chivalry, like, because it keeps them on their toes that like they can't all of a sudden become lazy men. They have to show up all the time. And they like that. They like to feel like there is a challenge and they have a purpose. If the relationship gets lazy and boring, they're going to get lazy and boring in their relationship. So kind of like keep them on their toes a little bit not in a game playing way, but in like a cheeky fun way. So let a man hold open your door. I will always get out of the elevator first. I will let a man hold open the elevator. Like I will, like a stranger, I'll let a stranger hold open the door for me. Like all the things I will never say, I've got it myself. I can do it myself. I will always accept help. Even from a guy I don't know, because I guarantee you that you've made his day. Another example of like a way that we emasculate men is like not, uh, what's the word? 
I'm going to say being a partner, that's not the right word, not supporting their goals and their career and their purpose, like making them wrong for putting their job or their purpose in front of us sometimes. Like if a man fucking loves you, you're going to be quote unquote number one. But the reality is like technically speaking, their purpose is actually going to be number one. So, you know, if you make him wrong for having to stay work to stay late at work one day, or you make him wrong for working a lot, or you make him wrong for, you know, I don't know, having to take a call for an important meeting on a weekend, you just emasculated him because he is, he is not working just for himself. He's working for you, for the, your future, for the future of your children, all that kind of stuff. So when you make him wrong for that, he then feels real, like he feels less than as a man. He feels like he's failing you and men never want to feel like they're failing you. So I would say they are some of like the top, the top ones in the way that women emasculate men. Yeah. I love those. I'm, I mean, I resonate with all of those I've experienced and been the bitch on the other side of many of those. (laughs) I'm so curious if you think, again, we're talkers, right? Like we want to go to our man and explain all the things and be like, Babe, I was listening to Monica and Kelly and I realized that I've been emasculating you for the last seven years and I want to change these things. And now I'd like for you to hold the door open for me and I would like for you to do this and blah, blah, blah. Do we go about it that way or do we go about it energetically and shifting in that way, showing up differently to the relationship and then allowing ourselves to receive and then the man, you know, alters or shifts in his own energy in response to that? Yeah, I would say both because I've seen it it when... I think both are needed. Like I've seen clients who they have just done all the trauma work and all the feminine embodiment work. And then it's like, oh, I'm coming home to baths being run and flowers. And they're like, what the fuck? I've never mentioned this before because the man feels the energetic change more often than not. He also knows that she's doing this program. So there's like a little bit of like the seed's been planted. But then I was, so I would say doing the energetic stuff is really important because even if you ask him to hold open the door, like, can you even receive it? Or are you going to forget all the time or you know, whatever situation is. So that's really important on your end, but then it's also really important for you to give him permission to do those things. And a lot of men feel, especially if you've been emasculating him or been in a really depolarized relationship for a long time, you know, we could have this expectation of shit's going to change overnight, but you actually need to also give him permission to make those changes. Especially when it comes like women always ask me like, okay, well, what about dating a guy in the beginning? How do I get him to be really aware that like, I want these things, tell him, just give him permission. Like I used to just be like, Hey, I mean, with my job was a bit easier, but I would also just be like, Hey, by the way, just so you know, I'm the kind of woman, I'm not the kind of woman that is like, I'm an independent woman. I can hold open my own door. I'm the kind of woman where I like flowers and my, the door to be held open to me and for you to be the man and me be the woman. I've never had a man be like, what the fuck? I've had every single time I've had that to a man. They're like, Oh my God thank you. Every single time when I tell them about like my book or like whatever I do, the, the, the face of these men, it almost breaks my heart because it's like, oh my God, finally someone's talking about this. Cause I'm feeling trapped in like, I can't be my full self as a man. So the permission piece is really important. So yes, tell your partner as well. Like, Hey babe, I always say like, blame it on me. I was listening to Monica and Kelly on the podcast and they were talking about all this stuff. And I realized I've been emasculating you firstly, fucking take ownership and apologize. But like, I've realized the last seven years, this is all the things I've been doing. It's probably a shitload more that I'm not even aware of. Please make me aware because I actually want to change and give him permission to call you out when you do it. 
because you need to learn. I guarantee you the majority of ways that you're doing it, you're not aware that you're doing it. And I'm always learning. I say to my boyfriend as well, like, you know, he knows he can tell me and he's told me a few times before, like that was kind of emasculating. And I'm like, shit, wait, I didn't know that. Can you tell me why that was? Like, I want to know why that was because obviously like for my work. And so I make sure I don't do it again. And then I explained to him like what I actually meant and, and that kind of stuff, because often it can just be interpreted the wrong way and communicated the wrong way. So yeah, say that you're listening to the podcast. You've been realizing you've been doing all these things. Please tell me any other things that I've been doing so that I can learn. And I want to really actively stop emasculating you. So what I'm going to need is men love to know what you need. What I'm going to need is for you to tell me from now on when I emasculate you and to be patient as I change my behavior because obviously I've been doing this and I've created a habit for myself over the last X amount of years. And I would love, not you must, or you have to, I would love to let you start being the man again. I would love to let you lead. I would love for you to book the dates. I would love for you to hold open the door. I would love for you to buy me flowers. I would love for you to send me random texts throughout the day. I would love for you to plan the holiday. And I'm really actively going to try to release control I'm going to tell you when I feel like I need to let you know, like, I really want to stay at this hotel. Please make sure you book it. Don't book somewhere else. But then I'm going to let you actually make the, like, I'm actually going to let you execute on that. And I do on that note as well, I will say this isn't that you don't get a say in things. This is not about you have no choice in the relationship or whatever. Like, you know, I'm like, I want to stay at these hotels. Right. But then I won't then make the booking. Like my name's never on the booking. I might send him the hotel name or tell him I want to stay here. For example, I want to go to this restaurant, but he'll do all the execution. And it's fun because he knows that he's going to make me really happy because we're staying at a hotel I want. So he immediately is like, yes, let me fucking execute on this. I know she's going to be happy about it. I'm really excited to stay at the hotel and have all my feminine needs of aesthetic beauty being met, but he's executed on it. So he feels like he's been the one to do it. And you get to just be in the fun, like creative. I want to stay here and here and here and here and be in that dream state. So it's not that you don't have a choice in your relationship or that you don't get a say in things. That's not what it's about. It's about you letting him lead in the areas where you want to be led. And it's about just letting him have more of a say as a man. Like you shouldn't be the one wearing the pants because you will fuck the polarity. Like if you want hotter sex, I guarantee you it's starting in like your day-to-day situations. It's not starting in the bedroom. Like that hot sex is a result of how the day's planned out and the polarity, generally speaking, in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So tell me how it affects things when you're not in necessarily a traditional relationship. So like Connor and I, mm-hmm. I am the breadwinner. Mm-hmm. I run our company mm-hmm. and he is more of the support mm-hmm. and does all of his own stuff. But it's very I'm eating my microphone. Love it. Um, <laughs> that's very much our dynamic, which mm-hmm. also causes issues because I tend to have a lot of power and decision making mm-hmm. within the relationship because of how our lives work. Mm-hmm. So how does that affect things? I love this question because a lot of women are in this situation these days, right? A lot of women have become the breadwinners and let's not beat around the bush. Like money is a really big source of that energy of providing and protecting, So there are many other ways for him to provide and protect and I'll go through them in a second. But I do also firstly want to honor that like, yes, money is a really big way in which a man is providing. What I love to do and I say to my clients as well is like, I think it's great if he provides in the necessities. Like when you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like food, water, shelter, can he provide in those areas? Because 
biologically, your brain is like relaxed knowing that like you will be fed, you will be housed and there will be water always around for you. And that doesn't weigh on you. Like you don't need to worry about those basic necessities. And then you get to have all the fun with like booking the fancy hotels, paying for the extravagant dates, you know, like flying across the world in first class. Like you get to pay, you get to use your money in the fun feminine ways and they get to like do the masculine things. Like, I'm sorry, paying for like insurance. I'm not fucking doing that. But like men will be like, no, I like to pay for insurance. Like, I think it's really important. And I'm like, wait, what? Like my stomach churns just thinking about that. I'm like, okay, great. You can pay for insurance because I'm not fucking paying for that. But like, it's really interesting that men actually will want to pay for those like basic necessities because they do also feel like they are fulfilling that role of like, I am providing and I am protecting because I am the one putting the food on the table. So I think that's a really good way for a lot of couples to go about it. If the if the woman is the breadwinner of like, okay, well, you know, can he pay for the groceries? Can he pay for the rent? Or can he at least be, you know, contributing a good chunk to it so that you don't feel like all the pressure is on you. And also, I mean, I'm always a big believer and this is just really important. And I know for myself of like, if you have a really open relationship with your finances, it's going to feel a lot easier. If you know that like if shit hit the fan, he's got money to like look after you guys. And maybe you can't live in like, you know, a $10 million house, but you know, you'd be fucking fine you're going to feel like things are okay and that you can stay in that fun energy of creating and and working on your business. And then also thinking about like, how does he support you in ways that you just like would not want to fucking deal with shit yourself in the way of like, I don't want to fucking do finances in my business. I don't want to fucking deal with operation stuff. Maybe Kelly, like you don't want to deal with that shit. Maybe it's like, I don't want to fucking organize like, you know, car insurance or like registration or like you know, tax stuff for us. Like, I don't want to have to worry about any of that stuff. I, I find it easy to be able to just work in my flow. I can make heaps of money. And then it's so nice to know that I don't have to worry about any of those yucky admin things because he takes care of all of that. Like that can make you feel really, really taken care of. So it's about you figuring out like, what are the things that cause you stress? Honestly, if you got those things taken off your plate of things that cause you stress, and for a lot of women, it's like, sticky finance things, logistical things, like all of those things I like have had on my to-do list for way too long. So it feels so nice when he's organizing those things, right? When he's helping with those things, because I know that I'm actually being provided for and protected and looked after in a way that like, I wouldn't be able to give that to myself. Like I do not understand like fucking, I don't know, mortgages as well as he does. So for him to be able to organize that, it makes me feel like, great, I can just like work and be in my creative flow. And then like he can deal with that. So think about the ways that he can provide for you and give you that feeling of I'm being looked after in ways besides just bringing in heaps of cash. Because the reality is he could bring in fucking millions, but if he doesn't know how to change a tire, he doesn't know how to organize house insurance. He doesn't want to fucking do the budget. He doesn't want to like whatever X, Y, and Z, you aren't going to feel looked after and protected for and provided for. Like that energy can be separate to money. And I'm not going to say it fixes it 100%, but where I do feel like it fixes it to 99% is when there is a lot of openness about finances. So when he knows your full finances and almost comes into like, you know, like 
your finances are shared, obviously, like you're married, Kelly. So like, you know, I would assume that your finances are quote unquote shared, right? Yeah. So I think personally, it's fucking sexy when it's like, okay, well, technically I've made the money, but like, you're the one that like organizes it, knows where it is. It's like, babe, you can hundred percent spend this. Like this money should go here. Let's invest this here. I'm like, great. You organize it. I'll just make it because like, and I talked to other women that are in the same situation with like being the breadwinner. And we find it so sexy of like, oh wait, so all I have to do is like make money and then like it gets organized for me and like it gets invested in places and then it makes 10 times more. Fucking great. It is so easy for me to be in my creative flow, for me to create content, for me to do my job. It's easy for me to make money. Where I block myself in my creative flow is all the logistical heavy things that stress me out. So if he takes all that off your plate, Think of how much better it's going to feel and how much easier it's going to feel. And I think personally, it is easier when like he has a bit of control over the money, not in the way of like, you can't spend that, but in the way of you feel actually safer with your money as a couple, because you understand the cash flow of it, because he's organizing all of that, if that makes sense. Because if he, even if he's making millions, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily spending it or that you get to even receive it. Like, There are people in other situations, right, where like the guy's making the millions, but there's no openness about the finances. There's no transparency and you feel like you don't get much of it and you actually can feel a lot of scarcity about it. So like anything, the energy that you bring to the relationship about money is absolutely everything. And like I know for me, I had to really figure out, okay, what makes me feel like scarce when it comes to Uh, Well, not scarce. What makes me feel stressed when it comes to making money right now in my relationship? And what I realized was when there is a lot going on logistically in our personal life and in the business that hasn't been taken care of, I can't be in my creative flow. Then I get stressed out because I'm not making as much money and I'm not in my flow. Then I go, oh my God, I'm making less money. Then I feel the pressure of I'm the one that has to provide and protect. That's where the problem comes in. But if he takes all that pressure off me and I just get to like bring the money in, I don't feel the pressure of I have to be the provider because there's nothing that's stressing me out to make my brain go into that scarcity mode, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. I think that's that's so well said. I love all of that. So I want to finish up here because you found your dream man. I did. Who's a little mystery on Instagram. Yeah, I know. You're loving that. I I need to add you to my close friends because he's not on my close friends. Oh, okay. I need to add you to that, actually. Yeah, no, I'm I'm keeping him as a mystery. He's really not on social media at all. So it's a lot for him anyway to just be the mystery. But we love using – I mean, I love using it as – a mystery. It's fun. It's sexy. And like, he'll be released at the right time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You just, you seem so happy. You're moving to Atlanta in like seven seconds. You're leaving your dream New York. I know. So, I mean, this, not that it came out of nowhere, but it feels like you have done a lot of work to get to this point of calling in the right person for you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I would just love to know how this happened and, and what you I feel. Love you, story. Yes. What you energetically, you know, put into the world to attract mm. this amazing man. So, I mean, I kind of love our story, but, and it was, it's the same really on both of our sides because I don't have the story of I wrote everything down on a list, I manifested it, and then he just popped into my life. And I think a lot of women can really grasp onto that and they feel like they're doing something wrong when they're manifesting, 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 and it isn't coming through. So it's really all about timing. I was holding the vision for a long time. 
I knew I wanted it for a long time. It's funny how it wasn't actually the right time until it was the right time. And I'm glad it came through when it did because prior to meeting him, I actually went on this like full fucking exploration of like, right, I'm going to figure out what it's like to date a million different types of men. I need to like solve this puzzle for my audience. And so I did. So I like, like before I met him, so throughout 2020, 2021, like most 2021, I just went on a lot of dates. I dated a lot, saw some guys like months at a time, then it ended, whatever. And I just really wanted to date all these different kinds of men to like put all the jigsaw puzzle pieces together. It also allowed me to figure out what I knew I needed in order to be happy. So I am all for dating a lot to figure out what you know you need in order to be happy. Because I'd go, especially if you're young, I'd go through moments of like, oh, maybe he doesn't have to ski. And then I'm like, no, he does have to ski. Or maybe he doesn't have to, you know, you know, I do want him to be able to work remote. Maybe he doesn't have to work remote. Like I would just jump through a million things. So by, you know, being with different guys, it allowed me to realize what was actually important. Anyway, my parents came to visit. And I do believe that that helped a lot because it gave my body this like full sense of safety of like, Mm. I haven't seen them for like two and a half years. I was going through a lot. And I mean, I feel like energetically there was something in the cosmos because so many people in our world met their fucking person, like not just like met a nice guy, like met their person towards the end of 2021 and 2022. And like that obviously happened for me as well. And so there wasn't anything like really specific that I did besides I made a really big commitment to myself to not just be in the energy of like finding my soulmate and dating is fun, but take some like really actionable steps on like really embodying my worth and my boundaries when it came to dating. And I do believe that you have to be in the right space for that. I do believe that you almost have to have like dated enough where you're like, right, I'm actually not going to fuck around anymore. Like now I'm exhausted by it and I'm serious about it. And I do think that some women, depending on personality types, need to kind of hit rock bottom, quote unquote, with dating to be like, okay, I'm actually going to stop fucking around and I'm only going to entertain like serious candidates basically. So I committed to being in like full receivership. And it was really interesting because I started dating a different guy. He lived in London though. So he flew over to New York twice and we spent time together and I started dating him and everything was great, like pursuing all the good things that we love, like great. And then it started to like fizzle out. And I, of course, was like, well, not engaging in this anymore because I do not make any, I do not chase, I do not pursue, I don't even fucking give a handout, you know, like whatever. And then I met my now boyfriend on a chairlift skiing. Like literally it was fucking fate. Like last night he was telling the Uber driver this when he was on the way here from the airport and the Uber driver turns around and is like, dude, that shit is unheard of. And he's like, I know, like everyone loves our story. We're obsessed with our story. Literally, I was skiing by myself. He was with his friend. He didn't actually want to go skiing that weekend, but his friend kind of dragged him there and he was like, final go. And they were getting, like, I was coming through the singles line. They were in a pair of two and we both just got on the same chairlift. I didn't think about it. I didn't see him before the chairlift. I just got on the same chair as him. We started talking. He needed, we were in Beaver Creek. He needed to, they they wanted to go ski like a back bowl. And I was, and they didn't really know the mountain. So I was like, yeah, I'll take you guys there. Honestly, didn't think anything of it in the beginning. I thought, great. I have a ski buddy. I've got no friends that know how to ski well. And like, he skis really well. I'm a really good skier. Like, people know that I'm quite nervous here. And so I was like, great, this is fantastic. Like someone else that can like go down double blacks. 
obviously he was fond of me and I wasn't picking that up until we FaceTimed for the first time afterwards, which I, again, actually didn't know he was FaceTiming me. I just got out of the bath. I was like hot and sweaty, hair in a towel, in a robe. And he just FaceTimes me, but I thought we were just going to like text because he invited me on this like ski trip with his other friends to make more ski friends. So I'm like, great. Oh my God, I'm meeting more ski friends. And yeah, it was on that face. I think it was on that FaceTime or maybe the one afterwards where I was like, shit, there's a vibe. But I did all the things that I knew how to do in the beginning to make sure that like, you know, wasn't chasing, wasn't getting overexcited, wasn't, you know, putting all my eggs in one basket. Like I wasn't jumping to any conclusions. I was really staying in like, he has to earn this. He has to earn me. He has to pursue. And like, damn, did he claim and pursue? Like, I think it was like a week and a half in, he asked me to be his girlfriend and the rest is history. Now I'm moving to Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta. he's not stupid. I've no. seen you. Hello. <laughs> he Hello. actually sent me a text yesterday after my masterclass. I did this masterclass on the embodiment of dating and he sent me a text and he was like, he's like Monica and we never call each other our own names when we do it's like serious he's like Monica I am so proud to be your boyfriend and I was just like the nicest message ever and I said to him I said that is the best message you've ever sent me he just he always tells me he's like I just feel like the luckiest man because I know that you have like high standards and like the work that you do the fact that like I'm the one that you chose I just like he's like I just am so like blown away. I don't know what the word is. He's like, I'm just so proud because obviously I'm doing something right based on what you talk about. So yeah, that's how it all happened. And, you know, it just like quantum leaped. We're in a fucking time warp and it's just proof that like time is an illusion when you know, you absolutely fucking know, like all the times I thought about, Oh, maybe this is the one beforehand. I'm like, lol, absolutely not. And yeah, now we're moving in together, getting a house and who knows what's next. You already have four dogs. Oh, we I'll already have four dogs. Yeah, I'll be waiting for oh. the marriage and baby announcements. <laughs> <laughs> Give us about three seconds. That'll probably happen. <laughs> okay, yeah, exactly. It's so. Fu- I mean, Connor and I move so fast, too. I knew yeah. before I met him that I was in love with him. I was like, mm. oh, no, this is, this is my person. And then love I met that. him and I walked towards him and it was like I was coming home. And I I really do believe it. Yeah. It's like you do when you know, you know. And for some people, I do believe it can take longer for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's that I think, you know, as I'm saying this out loud, it's like when you do the work to connect to your body and to really Mm -hmm. be guided by your gut and your intuition and your internal knowing, you know, so much faster. It's so much more clear. Yeah. Yeah. When you're disconnected from your body, yeah, you can't navigate that because it's not clear. You're not clear within yourself. How are you supposed to be clear about someone else? No, amen. Actually, a client boxed in me and she was like, how do I know if like her boyfriend is the one? And I was like, you know what? I was like, I don't want to answer that until we have done all the trauma work on you because then you won't even need to ask me that question. Like you will know. And that's exactly what you said. Like when you are like super in tune with yourself, you literally can feel like every ounce of your body, your intuition is really strong and you just know yourself and what you need and all that kind of stuff that you don't ask those questions. Like, you know, from your internal knowing already. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy for you. Thank you. And I'm so happy for you. Oh, oh my God. Is your hair just going to be like so poofy in Atlanta? Because oh my that's God, what shut up. Don't do. fucking say that. <laughs> do not fucking say that. That is the thing that I am the most not looking forward to is the fucking humidity and the frizzy hair because my I hair. I mean, you're in New York already, though, frizzy. where it's not it's dry. 
No, New York summer is really frizzy and my hair would get frizzy in New York, which yeah. I didn't fucking love. My hair is, but I also had the thickest hair and like very long hair. So in summer, it's like always up in a clip because yeah. the sweat that drips down my back is just another level of disgusting. So I'm pretty sure okay. it will just be up all the time in Atlanta too, or it'll be like, you know, half wet all the time because I'm like, we are going to get a pool and I'm not settling for a house that does not have a pool. That is one thing where I'm like, I don't care how beautiful the house is. I do not have time to build a pool. I am not waiting for a pool to be built. I need a fucking pool in, not in the house, like in the backyard of the house, like the end. (laughs) Yes, I support that. You need a fucking pool down there. 100%. (laughs) Seriously, it is hot. I mean, I need a pool in New York. I hated last summer in New York, not having a pool. I would like literally have five showers a day. And the, cold, the water wouldn't be cold enough because I'd lie outside on my balcony and I'd be dripping in sweat up to five minutes. Like it was, I, I find summer in New York absolutely unbearable. Like the amount of meltdowns that I've had or nearly had trying to carry groceries on some shit from Whole Foods to my apartment, the sweat, it's just, I get so overwhelmed by too much heat. So I'm yeah. definitely looking forward to like having more open space with summer. I lived in New York for one year when I was 23 and mm. I had no idea what I had gotten myself into. I moved there in August. Oh, I whoa. was too scared to get in the subway because I had never done public transportation. Oh, you and die in the subway. In oh, so all I did was walk. I lost 20 pounds in like a mm-hmm. month and a half. Mm-hmm. I hated my life. And then yeah. I finally got the ball to get on the subway and then it smelled like death. And I was like, what? Yeah. why am I here? <laughs> yeah, correct. Correct. I know I am. I'm really going to miss the walking in New York. I love that you... Yeah rack up 10,000 steps without even trying. So I am a little, I'm, I'm going to have to make a very concerted effort to walk in Atlanta and not just sit on my ass all day, you know, and Lay drive the pool, my sexy car. Take the dogs for a walk yeah, in yeah, your beautiful exactly. little neighborhood with all the yeah. amazing trees. Oh my You'll God, the trees there. I, I am know. just blown away by the fact that there is just like trees as far as I can see. There's like no gaps in it. And then the city just pops out. I'm like, what yeah. the hell? It's beautiful. Yeah, it's a perfect balance for you. Yeah, Yeah, it is. I know. I feel like I get my mountain life and my city life at the same time. Exactly. And then you can come to Colorado and ski anytime. Oh, yeah. I'm like, the next house (laughs) is the mountain home. Like, a thousand percent, I need it. It's on the list. So good. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy for you. Thank you for coming on. This was so fun. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) 